0: Cinnabuds receives support from Associated Bank.
1: Cinnabuds, Cinnabuds, two buddies, talking buddies, about Cinnabuds.
2: cinema. Hi, everybody. I'm Christopher Pollard from Milwaukee Film.
1: From Radio Milwaukee, I'm Dori
0: Zori. And I'm Element Everett Blank, the music director for Hyphen.
2: Yeah. Yay. We've got
0: a guest this week on Cinnabuds.
2: That's right. And we are going to be talking about two movies that mm-hmm. have the same title.
1: Yeah. What a coincidence.
2: Yeah, it's just a coincidence. They're completely different. <laughs> no, uh, we are talking about the original The Color Purple mm-hmm. and the musical remake that just came out this year.
0: Afternoon. That needs me a wife. Even if we have to part,
1: you and me, us, us have one, one heart. I
2: don't Get off my land.
0: You I'll rat you every day. Love. Daddy! Love. Nothing but death can keep me from it. Oh, Miss You must ain't got no kinfolk around these parts. All I
1: had was my sister. <laughs> Element, you know, we had so much fun with you on the podcast back in August. So when I talked to you about what are you watching? You want to be on the podcast again? I actually think this might have been your idea. Tell us about
0: it. I had just watched The Color Purple. And this version of this film, the new one, really lets you know why Fantasia is an American Idol. She showcases this brilliantly all through this film. And you grow to love her in a new and exciting way as an actress. Oh, no doubt. And so
1: then to go and watch the first one as well. What order? I, I watched the first one first and then the second one. Um, with maybe a little bit of devastating results for me. And we can talk about that in the podcast. Mm -hmm. What order did you watch?
0: Well, I originally saw The First Color Purple when I was a teen. So I had seen that. um, I revisited it now because I wanted to see all the things that I missed. And I knew we would be doing this. And I wanted to take notes. Um, But there's so many layers to this film. There's the book. There's the yeah. stage play that Oprah saw that inspired her to remake this film in this way. So it's it's really cool to see all of this come together specifically for Fantasia. She owned this role, which was very difficult to do because there was an expectation. Yeah. Like the, the person who played it before is an Oscar award winner. So there, the bar is high, but <laughs> she did her thing and she owned it.
2: No, it's going to be really fun to talk and compare the two and then talk about the new aspects of the new movie. Uh, you can listen to everything else coming up. Just stick around. Hey, Wisconsin foodies. This is Tariq Moody of Radio Milwaukee. Join Milwaukee Magazine's food writer Ann Christensen and myself every Friday morning at 8 a.m. for This Bites, Milwaukee's longest-running culinary podcast. We talk about everything from new restaurants, pop-ups, cookbooks, events, and even an occasional interview with a local chef. Head over to RadioMilwaukee.org slash This Spites or listen anywhere you get your podcasts. All right, we're back and we're going to dig into two color purples.
0: Yes. Nice, fuchsia and lavender. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> all, one of the best I mean, let's shades. Let's do all the purples. Today. Yes, yes, yes. I mean, the red purple. Where, yeah. do, purple. We where well, do we start?
1: Where do we start? I also want to say
2: that I I'm embarrassed. This is one of those movies, and this happens uh, when you're old and your brain gets smooth and dry. Is <laughs> I thought I had I was confident I had seen the color purple, the original. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh yeah, yeah, I've seen that movie. It was a long time ago, but I've seen it. And then I watched it. Uh, thought I was rewatching it and then realized, Oh no, sir, you have not seen this movie before. So I watched it with fresh eyes. I watched that. And then two days later watched the, uh, the, the 2023 film. And so I have, all of this is very fresh for me.
1: Well, and I remember watching like you element the color purple, the original when I was younger. But I think, you know, being so young watching it, you only really can comprehend a certain amount of what's happening. And then as you know, the decades go on and you have more life experiences and see what the world is like. I think, you know, I watched the original, the 1985 film first and man, the first half of this movie... It's heavy. It's heavy. Mm-hmm. Heavy. And it's supposed to be heavy, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, So that was a really beautiful thing compared to the first half of the second movie. It was heavy, but like in a powerful way. Like, yeah. So I I don't know. You start, please, like on your thoughts. Well, I,
0: I have some notes here because I <laughs> wanted to make sure that I didn't miss anything. And one of the things I said um was... We have to remember that the setting in this version of the newer version of the movie is 1903. And that is the very first thing you think about um, when watching this, that it's only 38 years after the end of slavery. So, yeah. yeah, So in a way... um, the men in this movie were mirroring what they had seen and they had learned and what had been passed down to them. So if you think about it in that way, mm-hmm. um, what you experienced during through this movie is a reckoning with so many different ways of life coming together and the women who have to experience that in this film. And it, it it's heartbreaking, right? When yeah. you watch it, especially from the very beginning, it is heartbreaking. Uh, but I think these types of stories need to be told because it's interesting. We're in a, a time right now where people are trying to shield this type of information versus learn from right. it. Yes. And mm-hmm. the more we um, expose these life experiences, the more we can learn to not repeat them. Yeah.
2: it's. I'm glad you brought that up, too, because I, when I watched the first one, I thought, man, this is so intense. All the men in these women's lives are monsters. They're behaving hideously like and all you instinctively want to think oh this is just a this is a uh, this is an exaggeration this is like the the cluster of all the things that are happening to all these women are all the same all Mm -hmm. the same experiences experiences, you want to believe that but then that is a great point the mirroring and seeing the time and Mm -hmm. adjusting yeah so
0: and even some of the women in the movie had this kind of um, dominant you know feel when you think about you know certain characters like the mayor's wife how yeah. i can i can still control your life yeah and it was this it was the same energy that the men gave but it was of the time mm-hmm. and this story these types of stories are immensely important because you have other redeeming characters on the other side of right. that that we need to expose to it's it, it's not all one thing even though that one thing that we are centering is very heavy there's always someone else on the other side to balance that out, to show you that it wasn't always these people all the time doing this. There's always other people who saw the good and who saw the future. And, we just need more stories like this. One of the coolest
1: things about both films is it really does open up, which I'm imagining the book did as well, just based on this sisterhood, this friendship between the two sisters and how close they were, which then, of course, sets the tone for like the devastation that follows. But then just really, you know, the message in both movies, I got strong and stronger really in the second one about the resilience of sisterhood and sticking together together whether it's a sister you're born with or ones that you choose. And so I really felt as a woman, this was empowering to watch Mm -hmm. both films. Mm -hmm. Um, But I just that first film where they're running through the lilacs and you can't tell that the one sister is pregnant yet. It's like it could be any any other film until she runs out of that flower field and you kind of get an idea of what's going on. Yeah, those scenes
2: are great in both movies. They both start with similar imagery, and both are visually like very different, uh, but stunning. both visually stunning. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's a great. I think they both knew like this is how you start this.
0: Mm-hmm. And I think the I I I'm, I'm going to reference my notes here. I think the opening scene with Tamala Mann, who is a staple in the gospel community, was a whistle to the black community that this is going to be root, rooted in black tradition. And the celebratory opening of the the film, of the new one, um, was so beautiful and so joyous and so celebratory. And it's like the joy in the morning because we know what's coming. You know, we know it's going to be bad and it's going to be heartbreaking and wrenching. But that is what black people did. We had to celebrate what we could at the time. And we had to celebrate with um, all of us. You, You know, we had to put. Everything we had into that celebration because we didn't know when that opportunity would present itself again. So it's a full body celebration at the beginning of this movie. And it's very beautiful featuring an iconic gospel singer, yeah. Tamela Mann.
1: Wow. I, the singing in the newest version. So wonderful and beautiful. This might be one of my favorite musicals now of all time, I think. The lyrics and the music were so great. I think there's a beauty to musicals, how they can push a narrative along in a way that a, dr- a drama does not, because you can sing everything that is in your head and your heart. Whereas in the first movie, I kept thinking back, like, well, we just had to figure out that th- this is what these characters were thinking. But mm-hmm. in the musical version, they're singing and dancing, and the costumes yeah. were. So really beautiful that and cool. really
2: good. I noticed that, too. And mm-hmm.
0: that's a nod to the stage play. You know, you, you can translate these messages through music and acting and wardrobe, yeah. like you said. And that's a nod to everyone who worked on the play. They did a beautiful job. Um, one of the other things uh, that I noted was at the beginning of the film, you had the original Seely deliver Adam oh, for yeah. the new ceiling. I love I, no, I that. that. So when I first saw Whoopi um, deliver the baby, I was just like, I got really teary-eyed because for her, it was a full circle moment mm-hmm. to support this new actress that's playing a role that she made famous. Really good. Yeah. And I
2: was, I was, I'll be honest though, after that, I started keeping an eye out to for see Whoopi. if I was going to see, I was going to see uh, Oprah, Oprah or yeah. Danny Glover. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but I mean Whoopi's enough. I mean Do we
1: have yeah. any idea why Oprah did not want to
0: appear in the newer film? I think she I think just having her produce it was probably enough for mm-hmm. her. Um and I know that Whoopi is talking about she did talk about on the view, she just had um What's her name? She won an Oscar for Abbott Elementary. She's doing kind of these regatherings of films that she's been doing. So she talked about bringing the Sister Act cast together and things like that. Oh, that's right. So I think Whoopi is kind of revisiting her career in a way. And she might have wanted to be a part of the film, the new film, versus the other cast members. So yeah. Yeah, I like that. So the original,
1: the director of the original, the 1985, was Steven Spielberg. Mm -hmm. And I thought. He, as a director, did a really great job. And I think doing this film, I think I saw him say it opened the doors for him to direct other very serious films after. But initially he had told Quincy Jones that he was not the right person to direct this film because he was not a person of color. He didn't have a a connection to the South. And uh, Quincy... Changed his mind and asked him to direct it. Do you think there's anything different with uh, the director of the second film that wouldn't have, like, I mean, I, Steven Spielberg. Spielberg directing a musical doesn't make sense, right? Right. right. But um, do you know much <laughs> about the director of the second film and how he got chosen?
0: I personally don't. I don't.
1: Um, is the second director African American? He's yeah. He was born in Ghana. I okay. know that. Um,
2: Blitz uh, Blitz Bazawule.
1: Okay. Yeah. So what else is he? I feel like he's
0: He's, done some stuff that we know. He's
2: done just a handful of other things.
0: Well, I will say this um, and I I will I will link this to the film Roots because Alex Haley also wanted a director who was not black. And when you have a director who is not black, they keep the essence of the film as it's written Mm. Versus inter- like internalizing the content and then adding, well, I think it should be this. It's, a tr- it's intrinsically exactly what you want it to be on paper because it's from your perspective. And I think that could be easily one of the reasons that, they, that Quincy wanted to go with Steven Spielberg. Mm-hmm. He's not trying to incorporate his life experience into the text. He's shooting what is written in a very thoughtful and, and, and theatrical way as a filmmaker. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I want to go back
2: a little bit to where we were talking about it as a musical, being a musical. The one interesting thing is when my wife, Hates musicals. When she hears the word musical, she hates she gets the idea. Cringy. Of it, though there are many exceptions, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> Wonka was not an exception. Uh, she was surprised by the fact that it was going to be a musical, and she was very upset. But when we sat down to watch it, she goes, "Oh, it's a musical." But then after we watched it, she goes, "That's not. I don't consider that a musical, right? Because mm-hmm. it made sen- it made sense to her, mm-hmm. but it it did feel that way." And I loved what you said about how the celebration, because my. Concern after, especially after watching the first one, but even knowing what the the, the, themes. the, the themes and everything mm-hmm. were, is how do you have a musical that deals with such intense hardships and like tragedy and trauma, and it almost felt like oh that's too light, but then it comes through without even having you told me that it comes through when you watch that movie, like oh they're celebrating these moments or hi- highlighting or or not even highlighting, but underscoring the intensity of certain things through the music and with the dancing and the songs that they used, which were no means flippant, um, Mm -hmm. really comes through, which I was so much more successful as a musical than I thought it could be because of that. Mm
0: -hmm. I was nervous about what this would look like as well, because I remember the original and it was so, it was devastating for me to watch. Right. Um, and I, I I was trying to wrap my head around how do you make this something that is digestible that's not painful? because the first one was painful.
2: yeah.
0: um, and how do you make this something that people would want to revisit? Yeah, mm-hmm. right? I like that I would want to watch more than once. right. And the first one, I did not want to watch more than no. once because it was so hard and it was so rigid and it was so definite. It, there was no joy um even near the
1: end when things started to change it's still i was anxious the whole time like this isn't gonna last her Mm -hmm. joy now is not gonna last
2: the joy the joy the only joy i got out of the the first one uh is the moment where celie gets to speak like she feels like she is empowered to speak at the table at the dinner table just lets him have it and i i must have been feeling that whole the whole time because i'm like (laughs) I didn't physically point at the TV, but I was like, yeah, yes, yes this is what I've been wanting this whole Your time. Your body
0: tenses up, I think, yeah. at the birth of Adam. When you mm-hmm. realize that this child yeah. is having a child and that is the platform for this film, right. you know it's going to be hard getting through this. And when she does finally speak up, it's like her womanhood arrived that could have been stunted at that that age when yeah. she gave birth. And her womanhood arrives in such a a visceral way that you feel like you was you were tense oh, yeah. the whole and you could finally loosen up. No,
2: it, it had felt the same feeling as in if I see a revenge movie where like the villain finally gets it and he hasn't got any consequences yet. Mm-hmm. And you're like, yes, get him, get him. It's finally. That, and when she when he comes at her when she's in the car and she turns around and points her fingers at him mm-hmm. and he stops, <laughs> it was like a superhero movie for yeah. me, where I was like, Oh, she's got she learned her power. Like mm-hmm. she she figured it out. It was so good.
0: Well, I will say one of the things that um, I wanted to make sure that I put out there for anyone who has not seen this film, because and I wrote it this way. I didn't think that Sophia could be played by anyone other than Oprah. I just I just didn't see it because Oprah Played that movie and the original played that character in the original movie so well yeah. that I couldn't imagine Danielle Brooks ta- tackling this role in such a way where I would forget about Oprah. Yeah, but she did that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. and I'm telling you as a listener, <laughs> if you have not seen it, she was able to do that, and my standard was through the freaking yeah. roof yeah. yeah. for her I in mean, this role. As as you can get. Yeah, because Oprah, <laughs> all of the lines in the movie that everybody recites and says on mm-hmm. the day they're Oprah. Lines, yeah, and her and walk, yes,
1: she, her
2: physical countenance. And yeah. this,
0: let's keep in mind, this 1985
1: film was Oprah's first, her first on-roll um, screen oh, film. I didn't know that, actually. and that classic scene at the dinner table when Sophia chimes in, yes, that was all ad lib Steven mm-hmm. Spielberg, what? I guess, told Oprah, you know, think about how you felt the first time um, that she helped you in the grocery store when you came out of out of jail and that was all ad lib by Oprah which I think is part of what made it such a beautiful honest like powerful moment and really speaks a lot to Oprah as an actor and a human
0: and I think too the idea of Sophia breaking that that depression through laughter yeah through watching Celie finally stand up for herself and get what what Sophias had been trying to give her this entire movie yeah like when she said you told Harpo to beat me like I I all my life I had to fight I yeah. never thought I would have to fight in my own home and she was trying to give her these lessons as an adult, but Celie wasn't there yet. She wasn't Mm -hmm. open enough to receive that because she was still operating in this childlike mind that this man was controlling her ever since she was a child. So she hadn't gotten to that point, but when she stepped up, it kind of clicked something in in Sophia and woke her back up and she could now participate in her life again as a present woman. And that moment was also beautiful because there's so much that happened at that gathering, at that table, where everybody shifted mm-hmm. and the power struggle shifted yeah. at that table when they were breaking bread.
2: And that was another moment, like in this one, where I got that feeling because she snaps out. She snaps out of it. She comes back to her own. Mm-hmm. And I think she gets up and either, like, I forgot, it was either starts smoking a cigarette or takes a bite of something while she stands yeah, up.
0: Yeah, she's
1: like, a Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah. And she uh, says something along the lines of, things are going to change around here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, and everyone else has, like, either left the table or is, like, helpless at the table and she's up on her feet it's it's it was a real good one that was a real good moment so
0: in this film we also get some beautiful cameos we get uh obviously sierra as as an elder Nettie. we get danielle brooks as sophia obviously fantasia as celie um her coming through as squeak squeak. i did not expect that you know
2: what i saw her name before like Mm -hmm. like like weeks before but i'd forgotten it and then when i saw squeak and i was remembering ray was ray don chung from the first Mm -hmm. movie and i was like and i she looked familiar but i was like i don't exactly know who that is but i'll figure it out later i'm not i'm not Googling while I watch. So <laughs> and later on, I was like, oh, yes, of mm-hmm. course.
0: Brilliant musician. Why not just throw her in there? And speaking yeah. of brilliant musicians, we had John Batiste as Grady, which yeah. was perfect. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, his his personality, his regular personality came through as a yeah. character. He's so joyful and so New Orleans. right? Yeah. <laughs> and you can see that in him all throughout this film. And one of my favorite comedians, David Allen Greer.
2: I want to talk about this. Let's Continue. do it. Yeah, Let's yeah. do it. I was so excited and I'm like, oh, cuz in the beginning, and I'm sorry to No, no, like, no. I, no. Go, I let's was go. literally in the shower. I'm like, I can't wait to talk about
0: David. <laughs> yes. <laughs>
2: <laughs> in the the first film, the preacher character who's kind of shunned his daughter Shug mm-hmm. um is it's about a little bit more dour, like there's a, a brutal scene where he just walks away, closes the door when she tries to kind of talk to him. So then I see David Alan Greer and here's the only only thing only problem I had with this movie I just wanted more of him yeah like you see him as a pre I'm like oh he's preacher and obviously you it's too serious to go too over the top you're not gonna do a character but I'm like oh you're gonna get some moment and you not 100% but just seeing him there there were lighter things when he's singing with everyone but I every time I see him I realize I have this it's not just nostalgia for like in living color, that kind of phase. But I have this like, oh, my blood, my blood gets up and Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, I can't wait to hear him talk. But think about this.
0: Think about this. And I don't know if you guys made this connection. He was also the preacher and they cloned Tyrone. Oh, I yeah. did not make that connection. So the last time we sat down and talked, we Whoa. talked about David Allen Greer's role as the preacher.
2: Now he's officially our, our preacher. Yeah. He's,
0: he's <laughs> our pastor. He is our pastor for Cinnabon. Oh, That's true. Um, and, and when I saw him, I said, this is a totally different version of the preacher from They Clone Tyrone. Yeah, yeah. This is a this is a, a deep hurt and disappointment yeah. that your child doesn't turn out the way you want mm-hmm. them to be. And you try to shun them, but your love is just too big, yeah. right? And I think David Allen Greer is one of those actors that's been cast as a comedian. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, he can do them both very, very yeah. well, that's but he's was... also a vocalist.
2: Yeah. That's what I was going to say, too. Like, I had that expectation when I saw him, because that's what you think. I was thinking of probably subconsciously, I know he does this char- you know, character yeah. from the other movie. But then I thought, well, you don't do that in this. this, this. I mean, yeah. sure, you can have a light moment in a serious film, but... Uh, The fact that comedians are always impressive, like almost Mm -hmm. without fail, when you give them a serious role, because they have it in them, yeah. and that direction works really well. And so it was nice to see him in that. I was very excited about it.
1: Did you feel that the character of Suge was a little bit more prominent in their role in the second film, as opposed to the first, as far as being a catalyst for change? I have an
0: entire section That's the <laughs> movie differences from the first and the original oh, yeah i've got so, an exciting one for so we're one gonna, gonna get to that yeah. let me let me just say this though um there were a lot of like little hidden things all throughout this film. this is
2: what this is why we like having you on here I know, because right? you Her see attention the secrets. to secrets yeah. we're gonna amazing. go there but
0: this is just one i and if you if you were to look in hoppo's juke joint there's a photo of billy holiday she hasn't been born yet
2: Oh
0: right! Oh, so there's there's like, yeah. So there's like little That's things great. like that that not that leaned forward yeah. in the film too. Some of the wardrobe choices and different things like that. So I think I I loved how they played with the the old and the new yeah. and brought them together specifically through the casting and some of the wording and the language and, and the clothes and just the fashion. Um, but there were another a, a number of beautiful cultural moments um, at the peak of the film and. I call it the homecoming for Nettie. And I wanted to outline this. So Nettie and um, her children. One of the things I found most beautiful was the table was surrounded by the table surrounding the tree.
2: I loved that so much. Yeah,
0: and the trees were kind of twisted all together, symbolizing like the families coming together to make this one big, beautiful tree, kind of like a baobab tree in Africa. Mm -hmm. So it nods to that, her children going to Africa and coming back. Yeah. Um, The other thing was the quilts. I don't know if you noticed the quilts. So quilts are very symbolic in the African community because the African-American community, for a number of reasons, when people were sold off, you would take a piece of their clothes and add them to the quilt mm-hmm. so that you would have some semblance of them. And it served as a family tree, essentially. And we were quilting messages yeah. and and how how to escape, how to get to freedom. Who is who is a, um, a safe haven, a person who would provide you safe haven on underground. Rail. There was so much happening with the quilts. So if you go back and you look at that last scene, every single table had a quilt.
2: I did notice that, but I didn't know all the the history. Yeah, the
0: symbolism. And there were even quilts being made for um, soldiers during the Civil War. Quilts from like family clothing or uh, falling soldiers and people that these soldiers were fighting with who died on the battlefield. They would take a piece of clothing, come back home or send it home, and their families would quilt that in. And you could tell your falling comrades when you came home by the quotes wow so that's there was beautiful. a lot it was a lot going that, on that, there. that
2: scene was that setting was one of the most beautiful ending sets mm-hmm. you could have had yeah it yeah. was beautiful
0: um, let's see and let's see I think I covered all that uh, the other thing in that from that same scene was the song was called A Grain of Love right so that everybody was singing but I don't know if you noticed this. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> every, every single woman in that scene was wearing a pearl. And how do you get a pearl? A grain of sand and an oyster oh, that my takes gosh. time to mature. So if you look at that last scene where they're all around the table, they're singing this grain wow. of love, and all of them, every single woman who's a prominent feature in the movie is wearing pearls so sierra has on pearl bracelets they have on pearl necklace Shug yeah. has on pearl earrings so it's all this connection to what they're singing about you know
2: what the people who made this movie probably maybe it was the director maybe it was the wardrobe person contributing they're putting these things in maybe not so we see them but maybe just to add to the connection you're going to see them.
0: <laughs> yes, yeah. I'm going to see them. I'm going to see them, and I'm going to. I'm going to out them, y'all yeah, for all this make great them work. Very you're very happy. Yeah, yeah, very happy. And I thought that was just so beautiful <laughs> because the connection between something being very small turning into yeah. something very beautiful and. Priceless is Mm -hmm. what love is, right? Mm -hmm. And all it takes is a grain. And that's what Mista had at the end. He had that grain of love Mm -hmm. when he lost everything and he realized what was important was the love of two sisters being together. And he had interrupted that. Mm -hmm.
2: I want to get to that since you mentioned it, because this is another thing. And I know you have a thing about you have a list of the differences. Yes. For me, the biggest one and the most interesting one that I'm not sure how I feel about yet Is how they ended with Mister's character in the uh, musical versus the first film. Mm. Because the first film is a very definite, I wanna say very definite, but it was like, He's been cursed essentially, yeah. yes. and then he has to live out his days with that.
1: But he <laughs> did like pay for he went and paid for the visas to get the family back from Africa, right? In, this, in, in the original, the one. in the second yeah. film, yeah. In
2: the original one, in the
1: original one, yeah. He did, he brought, he brought You're Nettie right. home, yeah. Okay, he brought you know home. what? I think
2: forgetting, mm-hmm. but that is still. A substantially more of a redemption story or arc for him in the second movie. Substantially more, where he's there with them. At they've the table, Essentially, yes. amended. You know their their relationship. He's a part of that whole group, wearing the silvery shiny pants. Yes. Um, that was so interesting for me. Again, you know how I feel about revenge uh, in movies. I always take it very physically. I'm like, no, that person needs to be punished. <laughs> yeah. if they've done something so terrible. But this was a really interesting way to deal with him in the second film where even all of this absolute horrible stuff that he inflicts Mm -hmm. on more than just Celie, still there's that family and forgiveness that happens, which I think probably has has something to do, too, that it's a female-centered heroes that are happening versus... A male-centered, which would be just revenge.
0: Move on. Yeah, right. and it's rooted in gospel, right? Yeah, it's rooted in uh, forgiveness and love and and Christianity, sense. and so that arc is built all the way through because there's so many times where where um, Sophia is trying to get her to like do something to him yeah. and she's just not that person yeah. mm-hmm. and it takes time to mature and get to that point. So we were talking about differences. Yeah. I jotted down some of them. Clearly the first one was not a musical, right? Right. <laughs> um, but in the first one, we saw more of the children. Mm-hmm. You know, we oh, yeah, saw their true. their bad tails running around and tearing everything up and yeah. we saw the stress of Celie's life early. Yeah, right. We saw what she had to do, deal with early with Harpo, and you know it was yeah, just yeah. a mess and then we never really got to see Nettie as a teacher in the second one in the oh, first yeah. one we saw her teaching um English silly, oh, yeah. like she how puts, to read yeah. We words we, all over yes, the house we yeah. saw her we saw this this love and care she had for her older sister and then we saw that internalized when she took care of her children right. we didn't really get to see Haley Bailey you know, teach and have true, that connection yeah. with her sister. Yes, you could see that there was love there, but you didn't know why she made that commitment to right. find her children and take care of her. Yeah,
2: that's so, true.
0: Um, and in the twenty twenty three version, um, it was very clear that Shug was bisexual. It was yes. very clear. Yes. very clear. <laughs> it was.
2: <laughs> when I watched the first one, I I had that very much like. Eh. Is that what's happening? I can't. Tell, or is it just like she likes the mm-hmm. attention? But yeah, it was very clear. It but. was
0: very clear that both of them had a relationship, and I think Celie's relationship was was Suge versus Suge be, being a free spirit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like she says I'll be back, and she came back with a whole husband. Yeah, right? right. So you can tell that that personality is who she is. She's just a free lover, and whoever that decide that is for yeah. that moment, who right. she she loves, that's who she loves. But it was very clear that Celie... Loved Shug. Do you think the 2023 version, it's more
1: of a sign of the times where a story arc like that could be more literal and open
0: I do, than the I do. 1985 version? I do, and I think that's the reason that some people were turned off to it, because they felt like... Oh, I didn't remember this being a thing before. Yeah, yeah. How is this a thing now? And if they hadn't read the book, because in the book it gets spicy. Yeah. Don't <laughs> it. So I, you know, so if if you haven't read the book and you only see, saw the original yeah. version, you might have been confused by the musical aspect. Right. You might have been confused by them two being in a clear relationship. Yeah, yeah. And you might have been a little bit confused about like where this is going because this is kind of this is rooted in uh, gospel and. Mm-hmm. And, and Christianity and yeah. the first one wasn't so much. Yeah, this right? one was very yeah. heavily about God. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other thing I saw was um, in the original film, we never saw Celie's mother. We never saw Nettie's mother. We didn't. We no, didn't. No, we didn't. Yeah. That's true. yeah mm-hmm. She just wasn't there. She mm-hmm. was this character that was missing and this maternal figure Um it's kind of like the Disney princesses. Right. You leave you, you leave your daughter with these grown men oh, yeah. and 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 you're like, how it, how does none of the Disney princesses have mothers? Right. And it it plays into that idea that if you leave a young woman in a man's care, he'll just marry you off to, you know, someone well, else. Yeah. And it felt that way. Um Were you pleased to see the mom in the second one? I was. I I was happy that they gave her a present. Yeah. And and you can put that love into your children and you were able, she put that love into her children. You were able to see that. You were able to see her as a person versus this ghost that they talk about, but you never see.
2: Yeah, and the first one too, I wasn't even 100% sure if she had passed away or if she had left because I think Mr. at some point just says she's gone now. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. she's, well, she's not around. So, so I never really knew. It was Then you just move on. And yeah. the,
0: the one thing that I feel like we really lost out on um, on this version was there was a lot of Sealy talking to God in the original. Yeah. You know, and and we didn't hear that. We had the musical aspect of it. We didn't hear her having her direct conversation to God. Um, And that gave us some more context for who she was as a person and why she didn't make certain decisions until that dinner table moment. Yeah. It gave us more of who she was inside versus the physical acting that Fantasia did in the current version.
1: Do you think that Seely would have made it through the first couple decades of her terrible life in this story and in the films if she didn't have that love of her sister to think about and hold on to and rely on?
0: I think it was a requirement. I think it was a requirement for her to get to the next level of her life. And that was A sign of the times, right? You had to find joy where you can find joy. And even if that was in having your family members with you, because family members were sold off or given away or used as payment for debt. So just having your family close or having your family in your life was a big deal. It was huge. And having something bigger than yourself to hold on to whether that was religion whether that was your town whether that was the food you cooked or how you did your hair all of those things became sacred mm-hmm. and so when when she gets her sister back it's like returning a piece of her back to herself because yeah. she had lost her identity there was no family she found out her father wasn't her father her mother yeah. was gone her sister was gone you know and she was left to raise someone else's children so you're on an island alone surrounded by people. So she needed her sister mm-hmm. to come back to return a piece of herself so she, so that she could feel whole.
2: And it's the scene in both movies that immediately I'm like, "I oh, keep it together. <laughs> keep it together." But yeah, inevitably it's just absolute waterfalls when that when you see when one you discover that her children are still alive. Mm-hmm. And then there's that reunion where I dare you to be a human and not cry at that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I also want to point out two things from the first one because we've been talking about the first one. The second one is having all the joy and having the musical. And the first one is much more, you know, serious and intense. But there are two, there are a few moments of real like joy and just excitement in the first one that I want to point out that didn't translate to the second one as much. Mm-hmm. One is when Suge is in the nightclub and she sings a song that's for Sealy. Yeah. And it—I don't think they did that, or they did it in a—it was a, a very old, roundabout yeah, way, way, where the people parted, and they're like, "Wait for her." Somebody who everyone's dismissed, she sings the song right to her, and she's she's smiling, and and then Mister, of course, is upset because it's not directed at him; it's mm-hmm. directed to. <laughs> Love that moment, um, and there's also oh, I just forgot it. There was another one that I thought was in the first one that.
0: Was I, it the, also, was it the return of Nettie when they're playing their childhood game? You know that is
2: really good too. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah that was some oh, joy man. that you know I think was redemptive for the film overall because you're you have to remember they're returning at the spot where they left. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it reminds them that yeah, this is my sister. This is my sister because I don't know you now. You've been gone. You look different. We're yeah, older. Yeah. We have gray hair. Show me that you're still my sister. Yeah. And that last spot where they left off, they were children. Yeah. So that was the instant connection to connect through that childlike game and remind each other of, yes, we are connected. Yeah, because they have to good. learn each other now. Yeah.
1: yeah. You know? So, El- yeah. Element, you're raising some really awesome children of your own. At what point, um, if you haven't already, are you going to share these films with them?
0: I talked to my daughter about uh, the color purple. And uh, she said that she was not ready. And I respect that. She's 12. But she watches some films that have adult content in them. But she, I respect her enough to tell her the full breadth of what she will encounter. And she can tell me if she's ready to see those images. And she said she's not quite there yet. So smart. I'm going to respect her and allow yeah. her to take that journey when she's ready. That seems very smart. Yeah, yeah. a great
1: way, too, to to have those kind of conversation starters with your kids if you're having a hard time Mm -hmm. just be as honest as you can and get a gauge for what your kids are ready to see when they are but i would imagine the second film is what she would probably watch first yeah (laughs) and i think
0: i think it's important for children of all races to be exposed to stories about culture whether they're fiction or nonfiction, and then have those conversations afterwards because that's normally what we do when we watch Mm -hmm. a film that is can be difficult or has some adult content immediately after we have a conversation and I make those um themes of that film's that film apply to her real life. Mm-hmm. So whether we're talking about because this happened now, as a country we right. get to do this. Or as a, a people we we've done this. Or as a global community, this is what came out of it. Because you have to frame those things for children or they will take it literally. Yeah. You know, and I want her to see the benefits that come from some of the challenges we've had to overcome. And most of those benefits live within her. And I want her to take that with her.
2: That's fantastic. So, yeah.
0: This feels like a really good place to end
1: the podcast. However, I don't want to miss out on any final thoughts that either one of you had or things that you wanted to talk about um, one film or the other or both.
0: I, my final thought would be watch them both. Watch yeah. them in the order that they were produced. It was a
2: good experience for yeah. me to be able to see them both so close to each other.
0: Yeah. Right? And then if you are feeling very ambitious, pick up the book.
2: Can I just say, I want I just want credit for going to the library the Friday <laughs> before we were originally going to uh, do this. And I they said it was there, but we couldn't find it. And I thought, mm-hmm. there's no way I'm going to finish this book over the weekend, but I can at least dig into it. Because it's, you know, of course it's on your list of, of your to be read list. I'm like, I'll just do it now. But now it's pushed up on my to-be-read list.
1: Credit given. (laughs) (laughs) That's all I want. I'm never going to be surprised if you're the one that's reading the books (laughs) first
0: or in between watching the movies. You made the the effort. You made the effort.
2: (laughs) And it will be done. It will be done. Indeed. The only thing I want to say is I forgot. I did remember the other moment I liked, which Mm -hmm. was when Oprah punches Squeak in the club and it was like a slapstick moment. She, she like falls tumbles. through a, fl- a hole in the floor. Into so the and swamp. Yeah, it became a very <laughs> slapsticky bar fight, which yeah. I was like in the middle of a very intense film. It was very lovely. And I was very excited to see Louis Gossett Jr. play the dad in the new one because I haven't seen him in a long time. And, you know, growing up in the 80s, he was like ever present. No doubt. In so many wonderful stuff.
1: Speaking of ever present actors, what happened? And I'm sorry if I'm missing out on some current films. Ray Don Chung.
2: Yeah, I haven't seen her in a while.
0: I haven't either.
2: I don't know. But yeah, she was also ever present in Mm -hmm. the 80s and 90s for sure.
1: Element, it was so great to have you here. Thank Thank you for this wonderful idea of not only watching the new Color Purple, but checking out both films. this is really nice to not only see these films, but then share these conversations with you both. Yeah. Thank this is nice. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for coming.
0: Tap me for those little hidden jewels. Yeah. I'm always I'm always oh, yeah. watching.
2: I want your list of stuff, secret little <laughs> little Easter eggs in all these movies.
0: We'll talk one. We'll yeah.
1: yeah. Maybe we could get you to give some of this stuff to Brett and he can publish on the yeah. web article. Oh, A little yeah, checklist
0: yeah. of Easter yeah. eggs I've, to find. I will need my own Cinnabud segment. <laughs> yeah. Ele- Elements Easter eggs. That's like true. at the end of every film. True. What are the Easter eggs? And I'm like, well, here's my top
1: three, Dory. Um, elements, you're so good at this sort of thing. You know you're gonna get someone sending you Elements, <laughs> Easter, Easter eggs, eggs, in the mail yes, now. Yes. Right. But
2: I picture it like in the movie Beautiful Mind, where it's all up in front yes. of you and you're and you're just moving, moving them around. It around yeah, trying yeah. to decide
1: what it might It's top like a mission three. impossible. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Oh, uh, thank you to everyone for listening to Cinebuds. Um we'd like to thank our producer, Kim Shine, for thank putting this all Kim. together for us. Thank you. Yes,
2: thank you. And we'd like to thank Newski for our wonderful Theme song every week.
1: Associated Bank. We couldn't do this without your sponsorship and your support. So thank you so much. An element, you know how important it is when you work at a nonprofit to thank the most important people of all.
0: Thank our listeners, of course, and our members. Yeah, absolutely. Both from Radio Milwaukee and from
2: Milwaukee Film. We thank you so much for checking in.
1: All right, until next time, see you at the movie.
0: Bye. Bye.